Season 1 is over. We tackled Jason Voorhees, Pinhead, and Death himself. We have survived. A new year has come. Season 2 of Beauty and the Geast Podcast has begun. Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Beauty and the Geast Podcast, where we watch movies so you don't have to. Um, I am one of your two incredible hosts, Pat DeGeest, along with the beauty. Slightly less incredible beauty. But Let's say you're incredibly beautiful. I'll uh, thank, thank you, man. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, this week, I'll take it. I'm not making fun of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. We are uh, starting off a new franchise. If you uh, did not listen last week, we're diving into the Candyman series. Uh, starting in 1992, starring Tony Todd. Um, certainly has some name recognition and also certainly not probably as famous as uh, many of the other longer franchises we've watched. But I, I imagine most most people are familiar with Candyman, I would think. Maybe not. I don't know. This was, yeah, actually part of uh, Clive Barker uh, was actually also um, one of the writers for this movie. So, yeah, he's got a good reputation in the the horror world. I think very very well known horror guy. I like a lot of his stuff. Uh, this one came out in nineteen ninety two. I uh, I rented it on Amazon. Yourself, same thing. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I expected Candyman from 92 to be available streaming free somewhere, but no, I couldn't find it. But whatever. I did I did some looking and uh the first two are rent or buy only that I have seen. I did see Candyman 3 is on Tubi TV. And the new one is uh where did I find it while I was looking? The new one's also free somewhere. It might be like Hulu or something, but like Candyman 2022 or whatever it just came out is on Hulu, I think, for free. Yeah. Yep. But uh, this one, this one is not, folks. You got to shell out the uh, $3.99. The yes, yes, yes. So uh, let's uh, let's get a, a mouthful of Candyman. Shall we, folks? This one, uh, like I said, came out in 1992. Um, I believe we begin with, uh, what I, our main protagonist, Helen. Helen is a, uh, you know, what is Helen? Is she a journalist? Is she a, a college researcher? She is a, uh, what appears to be a master's degree student because, uh, she's doing some, some research. Yeah. Yep. She, uh, spends a lot of time at a college. She's doing a, uh, her thesis or a story or a paper on the the Candyman ur- urban legend, um, which is somewhat somewhat famous in the area. This movie takes place in Chicago. Uh, they start out with a bit. Uh, I think they're interviewing they're interviewing a woman at like a mental institution, talking about like a local urban legend about uh, Clara, who is a babysitter, and uh, Billy, her boyfriend, comes over, and they do the old you know say Candyman in the mirror five times, and he will appear. Yep. And they they risk it. They well, she, risk yeah. it. 
She was she was a goody two shoes. Now that was the the kind of the whole thing behind it too. And she had all throughout high school, she had a boyfriend who was also a kind of a goody two shoes. But then after that, she met this the bad boy Billy. Ladies love the bad boy. Am I right, fellas? I would agree. It seems certainly seems like it. They want some adventure. They don't yes. want to sit on the couch. And Billy and Billy is played by I thought it was Sam Raimi. I uh, looked it up. It's Ted Raimi, who I've never heard of. I assume is Sam Raimi's brother because they look very similar. Yes. Uh, it, it, Ted, yes, Ted is his brother. Um, Ted has cameos in a lot. And I mean a lot of movies, probably because of Sam. <laughs> Makes sense. They look they look enough where I thought it was uh, enough alike where I thought it was Sam. Um, he's, of course, a bit part in this. He's, like, uh, basically involved in a flashback, or not even a flashback, just a story sequence. Yeah, where he's getting it on with the babysitter, and then they summon Candyman. Candyman kills the babysitter, kills the baby. Uh, Billy, played by Ted Raimi, finds them. Uh, I, I guess it spooks him so much his hair turns white, and he ends up in a mental institution. This is another one where he... I think he's supposed to be like a high schooler, but looks like he's about 30. <laughs> yes. Which we've encountered before. But uh, this is uh, this is this is just Helen like interviewing the local people about the uh, the Candyman legend, which at this point, there's not a lot of substance to the story. But, you know, she's got to write her thesis or whatever. So she's just talking to whoever she can. Um. After that, she heads on over to the uh, University of Chicago, where uh, the professor, who also happens to be Helen's husband, is uh, kind of also having a discussion about local urban legends. Um, uh, Helen shows up, like gives him some shit, like, hey, why are you, you know, <laughs> I guess she doesn't want the competition. She's like, why are you discussing this with your students when you know I'm doing a paper on this? He's like, what, what do you expect me to do? Like, this is curriculum. There's also a brief confrontation where uh, one of the students is uh, maybe a bit flirty with Trevor. Very, very flirty with Trevor. Yep. And it's... Guy's goddamn name is Trevor. That just goes to show you what kind of man he is. Trevor Lyle. Yeah, he's another guy. Um... Another actor that you would recognize, but I don't know his name. Uh, Xander Berkeley. I don't know his name. He's probably also been in a hundred different things. Got a recognizable face. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Terminator 2, Apollo 13. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he's been in some some pretty big stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Another, uh, you know, supporting actor or a bit part player and, and tons of shit. You'd recognize him if you looked up Xander Berkeley. Yeah. Um. So uh, anyway, after that, you know, Helen is, uh, I guess, staying late at the college to use their PC. <laughs> this is 1992. So I assume computers are hard to come by. So she's got to stay late at college to... Uh, Use new uh, cutting-edge word processing technology. Microsoft Word was not available on the home version yet. <laughs> yes, right, right. Like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, why does she just go home and write this? 
like, oh yeah, this is 92. Like the college probably to shell out, you know, $10,000 for a, a Packard bell or an Apple two or something. I mean, I think it, this, the technology on here is still newer than what George RR R. Martin is using to write the game of Thrones books. So it's probably why he can't finish. He ran out of memory. Yeah. <laughs> it can't handle that many pages of text on his, he, uh, on he his can't, candy. He can't find the floppy disk that he saved everything on. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> he lost his floppy. <laughs> Oh, that's one of my favorite things, you know? It's weird how, you know, they say computer technology advances fast. I notice it a lot in movies. We we saw the 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 CD-ROM in Event Horizon last week, and now she's, like, got to borrow the computer at the at the University of Chicago because nobody's got one at home in Candyman. Yeah, that is correct. But uh, it does, you know, it does lead to some dividends as she's writing her paper... The uh, the cleaning crew comes in, and they like I forget how it comes up, but they're like, "You talking about Candyman? <laughs> you know, I my I forget. You know, my cousin, my cousin's was the neighbor of the person who got murdered by by Candyman. That's what this whole story is based on. It's uh, actually true. And she's right down the hall. Let me go get her. Yeah, let me go get her. So of course Helen's intrigued. You know they swap some information. The lady tells Helen what she knows, and uh, fantastic. The Helen's got a new lead to follow. So uh, Helen, they go to some uh, pretty trashy apartment, and let's be honest, it's the projects, the ghetto, whatever people want to call it. Um. That's where they uh, they go do some investigation to where these uh, mergers allegedly took place. Well, and Helen and her friend Bernadette, also known as Bernie, are in their apartment where she's looking at some microfiche <laughs> <laughs> uh, slides. They're showing the the articles, and she finds the article that the lady on the cleaning crew referenced, and brings up her own, and she looks at the two buildings and they they look very similar the photos from the articles so then she's doing some kind of exploring and they end up taking the medicine cabinet off of the wall and then seeing you know seeing that they are built the two buildings where the candyman murder took place and her building are built the exact same way and she shoves the medicine cabinet in the neighboring apartment out of the wall because there is no actual wall between them. It's just the, the two medicine cabinets back to back. And uh, so they, she does that to kind of prove her, her theory in that so that they will be able to find when they go to uh, the other building. Was it something green? Uh, I, I forget the name of it. Uh, they, they'll be able to basically do the same thing in in the apartment next to the lady's cousin. Yeah, yeah, the th- yeah. Her theory is just that this is a uh, you know a next door neighbor murderer who, yeah, crawled through the medicine cabinet crawl space and killed some people and uh, and that's that. But they're gonna go do some investigating at, Cab- in the in the projects. Yep, Cabrini Green was, <laughs> was that at Cabrini Green. Yeah, so they uh, they do go there. They end up snooping around. Uh, quite the difference in buildings, though. Like this, this one's falling apart. Graffiti everywhere. A lot of abandoned units. 
Um, they do snoop around in the uh, like abandoned unit where uh, the murders allegedly took place, take a bunch of pictures. Um, that's where they bump into Anne Marie. Anne Marie is the uh, the next door neighbor who claims to have heard the murders on the on the night they happened. Um, she's got a baby named Anthony. And she's 100% a believer in Candyman. Like, she's legit spooked, you know. She heard it happen, saw the commotion, and uh, doesn't doesn't want any trouble. Um, so, yeah, Helen and Bernadette get a lot of good photos. I forget how they ended up there, but the, Helen somehow ends up talking to a little kid, a young kid named Jake. And uh, she, Yeah, she goes back. The next day. Well, that's right. It's a different day. You're right. Yep. Because they, yeah, they were there at night, um, and then yeah, she goes back the next day to get more information from Anne Marie about about something, and uh, yeah, she runs into Jake, and Jake tells her about the other building for the Candyman, where it's outside, and. Uh, Tells a story about how you know a little little kid went in there, and then a guy went in to to go after him, and he was base he was found in pools of his own blood. Uh, not not I don't know that he was dead or not, but uh, the little boy was dead. But <laughs> I don't think the adult guy was. And uh, <laughs> so with his course, wiener cut off. Yeah. Wiener cut off, and then Jake, Jake, the little boy says, "You know they found it floating in the toilet," and he says, "You can't fix that," <laughs> which is hilarious because I could see, I could see when we were kids, like discussing a similar style urban legend about like <laughs> a boy's penis being cut off. <laughs> well, I mean, that was one of some. That was one of the biggest fears written down for the atmosphere game that we used to play all the time. Oh yeah. I'm sure when you're, I don't know how old Jake was in this, like 10 or 12 or something when you're 10 or 12, like just penis humor and having it chopped off is uh that's at the top of your list of worries for sure. Yeah. But we were older than that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'm still concerned with that today. Like, well, yeah, I mean that, that would, that is kind of a, kind of a big piece of life but you know yeah 15 16 years old yeah that's one of your main concerns what's your <laughs> what's your finger equivalent right like how many fingers would you rather lose before getting your wang chopped off uh, i mean i could lose my whole left arm up to the elbow i was gonna say if i had one good hand <laughs> Because if you have zero good hands, what use is your penis? Am I right, folks? Hey, hey, -o. but yeah, I, I'd lose a whole hand, I think, before my wiener. I, you, you could, you could take it right up to here. <laughs> I'm pretty much with you, man. This is, uh, that's how important it is, ladies. Any, any female listeners? You know, I just want you to know it's, it's at least the equivalent of uh, elbow to hand. I mean, I can, I can control a mouse with one hand. I can type with one hand. I can cook with one hand. I can bathe myself with one hand, but you know, you can get a lot done. I I can, I, I could I could learn to adapt to only having my right hand, 
But which is which is why, like, this was one of the scarier scenes in the movie. Just a child discussing the urban legend about how, you know, another local boy got his penis cut off by a madman. I thought that was one of the more tense movies or tense scene in the entire movie. So uh, good on that kid, you know, child actors sometimes suck. That kid was believable. Yeah, and I believe it was he was played by Dewan Guy. Yeah, toss, Jake. toss Dewan Guy some credit. He, uh, oh man, he looks really old in his IMDb, but man, he nailed it as Jake. He doesn't have a picture in Rotten Tomatoes, but he did. He's only been in two other movies. One in 1995 and then one in 2021. But he's done some TV. Uh, last done TV in 2003. So you can, He's got you can newer stuff on uh, IMDb. Nothing I've ever heard of. Maybe it doesn't count. You can catch him on a 1993 episode of Baywatch, though. Hey, that's a, also a big name TV show. Yep. Baywatch. <laughs> Not to sidetrack, even though I love sidetracking, allegedly. I was in Grand Marais scouting venues for comedy, and uh, it was at a just local bar called Up Yonder. I think that was Up Yonder? Maybe it was a different one. Anyway, they had like Baywatch reruns, like literally 90s Baywatch reruns playing on television. Which... Well, there is, there is, I believe it's on Pluto, there is a uh, channel on Pluto TV that is just shows Baywatch. All the yeah, time. yeah. That's probably what it was, man. I just thought it was hilarious. Like, oh, they're they're watching Baywatch in Grand Marais, Minnesota. I mean, another another minor side note, but the place that we uh, stop at on our way back from our Chicago trip, which is uh, the Brat House Bar and Grill in Lake Delton, Wisconsin, uh, on their sign a couple years ago when we were coming back from... Adepticon, uh, they have they were they scheduled an event for the uh, reboot of Roseanne. <laughs> you know, speaking of '90s TV shows, that's yeah, what that's, that's what I was thinking. Right, like people, Baywatch, I'm sure gets shit on a lot, right? But uh, then, as someone who's a like newly artistic creator, I got to admit, Baywatch has achieved more artistic success than anything I've ever done. So I can't shit on it too much. Like Baywatch is probably a globally known phenomenon, even to this day. So uh, I guess sh- props to Baywatch. Good job, Hasselhoff. And uh, Pam Anderson. Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra. Yeah. Yes, Ian Bleeth. Oh, yeah. A lot of famous names came out of Baywatch. So good on you. I, I recognize your success. Um, uh, Back to the boy getting his penis cut off. Yes. <laughs> short, short, shortly after shortly after Helen hears the story like she goes to this it's like just like a public restroom or whatever to take some photos and uh, while she's in there gets uh, jumped by a gang gets uh, I guess punched and robbed by a gang she just got punched she didn't even she didn't even get because yeah the guy comes in he's like oh I hear you're looking for the candy man bitch yeah and right. uh yeah then he hits her in the head with the hook that he's got 
you know, because supposedly part of the urban legend of the Candyman is he was he was uh, his hand was cut off and he was killed by a bunch of bees and they shoved a hook into his hand. Yeah, and his meat stump. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, she gets knocked out. Um, eventually, uh, they say Jake the kid uh, helps her or calls the cops or whatever. Um, so she does like a police lineup with the cops. Now they do they do catch the guy. She she IDs the perpetrator. You know, the cops' theory is this guy is just kind of like playing off of the Candyman urban legend to get himself I don't know local fame or intimidation. Yeah, yeah, street cred, um, basically. So, uh, you know, after she IDs the guy, she's kind of like walking to her car in like this parking uh, parking garage or whatever. Yeah, the, the cops know all about this guy. He's got a rap sheet. He's well known, but nobody in the projects will testify against him. Nobody from Cabrini Green will testify in court about him you know, against him, so he has not been able to be arrested. So, again, typical, uh, you know, street cred kind of thing, where he, he's the, he's a gang leader who has intimidated everybody to not testify against him, but now Helen has said she will testify against him. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so she's leaving the uh, the police precinct or whatever, walking through the, uh, the parking g- garage, and um, gets a uh, a visit or a premonition from Candyman or a hallucination. You don't even know, but he he appears, starts saying some cryptic shit uh, about how I don't know. He needs her for some. Uh... <laughs> he desires her. Yeah. Yep. It's it's pretty spooky. You don't know if it's real or not. Um, but she does. She does wake up at. <laughs> She she also does before he before she uh, before it cuts to the next scene. She does say, "Oh, I'm in, I'm incredibly late and I have to go." Yes, <laughs> she's got stuff to do. Who doesn't have stuff to do? Right, life's busy. Right, if, even if you're being visited by a uh, you know supernatural serial killer, supernatural amputee with a meat hook with <laughs> for a hand. Right, like you still like you got appointments, right? Like you got you got stuff going on. But... Got a paper to write. Exactly, you know, just got to graduate with her master's degree or whatever. But yeah, she she wakes up. Um, like she's in the, uh, the shitty apartment in the complex and Anne Marie's apartment, who she was the one who lived next door to where the murders happened, the alleged Candyman murders. And, uh, Helen is, is covered in blood, confused, um, gets up, you know, walks into another room where Anne Marie's like panicking because, uh, baby Anthony is missing. And, uh, of course it's, there's blood everywhere. Anne Marie's... <laughs> spooked and uh panicked that there's this bloody woman in her apartment well, complex you saw why there was blood everywhere right somebody cut the head off of the dog oh yeah yeah, yeah. the dog the dog was decapitated yeah and so there's so yes there's blood everywhere Anne marie looks at helen and is like how the hell did you get in here and uh of course Helen, when she first opens the door to the bathroom, sees a gigantic, she sees a meat cleaver on the floor. So the first thing she does is pick it up. 
as you do. <laughs> you know, you 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 open the door to a decapitated dog body, and you see a meat cleaver there that's got blood all over it. So of course, yeah, the first thing you do is pick it up. And yes, Anne Marie is freaking out because Anthony is gone. Baby Anthony is missing. Uh, she sees Helen there. She said, what did you do with baby Anthony? And kind of uh, frantic and Helen doesn't know what the hell's going on. So she's kind of trying to explain what, what trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, Amory attacks her, tackles her to the floor, starts choking her. And uh, so she slashes her in the arm with the meat cleaver, which then knocks uh, Amory off of her. Helen jumps on top of her, starts kind of holding her down and getting ready to strike with the meat cleaver again. And that's when the cops bust open the door. Yeah. And they uh, they haul Helen away, as you do, you know, if you're in someone else's apartment with a weapon covered in blood. Probably not a not a good situation to be found in. I'll, pretty I'll, I'll, suspicious. I'll I'll admit that that would be a pretty weird situation to be found in. Yes, pretty suspicious for sure. And the baby is still missing, which <laughs> even more suspicious. Um, yeah. So the yeah the cops arrest her. You know they take her to the precinct. Uh, they accuse her of decapitating the dog, and you know where is the baby? That kind of thing. Uh, they give her her one phone call. She calls home, tries to call husband Trevor, who does not pick up. He's too busy banging his student listening to music too loud. Yeah, giving out extra credit, they say. Um, she does leave a message. <laughs> like I, They don't really connect the dots. It's not super important. But she leaves a message like, hey, I'm arrested in prison. So I assume he comes the next day. Yes, because he does show up to eventually bail her out. Yeah, uh, bails her out, um, you know, takes her home. Um, good old women's intuition, right? Like she's been she's been accused of of kidnapping a baby, decapitating a dog, you know, waking up, breaking into a strange apartment. But good old women's intuition. She's like, so. Why didn't you answer the phone last night? <laughs> she knows. She's got a pretty good idea. She knows what was going on. He's just like, oh, I was fast asleep, you know. I was sound asleep, but uh, I came when I could. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> hey. Um... What else? I don't know. Uh, later, I guess that probably that day, you know, she's at home alone again. I guess the professor's off at work. She starts uh, hearing hearing from Candyman again. She yeah, she starts looking through the the slides. Yeah, because, yeah. Know, the slide slideshows are an absolute thing to to deal with in the nineties too. <laughs> Let's bring back slides and microfiche. But uh, she starts going through the pictures that she took there because she now she knows, you know, she has seen the the real Candyman now. And as she's going through the pictures, she starts to focus on one, uh, and again she changes she she adjusts the focus on it, and then now she sees Tony Todd, aka the Candyman, in the background of one of her photos, there. Yeah. And that's when she, you know, she of course shuts it off, goes back, goes 
to wash her face in the in the bathroom when the medicine cabinet door busts open and he's swinging at her with his hook hand <laughs> and she goes she goes to leave you know she goes looks down the hall after she leaves the bathroom runs out of the bathroom he's there again so she runs out of the apartment starts to run you know try to get out try to escape the apartment building she goes out she goes out in the hallway of the apartment building and he's there so she goes back into the apartment locks the door um actually she doesn't even she doesn't even lock the door. She just goes back in, uh, grabs a knife, and huddles by the refrigerator when he appears again. And he says, you know, like, you're mine. I'm I'm here to take you. And, you know, kind of, you can see the, where the hook, like, cuts her or something because she's got blood all over. And uh, she's too scared to really talk. But that's when Bernie shows up at the door. Yeah, Bernadette's being a good friend, right? Checking out on old Helen to see how she's doing. Yep, and uh, she, you know, of course, Helen is either, because I mean, Helen is making pretty good sound, but the apartment walls are either super thick or Bernadette is half deaf or they just didn't uh, really play out well into this part of the movie here. But uh, Helen is trying to tell Bernie to stay out of the apartment because the Candyman is there. She doesn't want anything to happen to Bernie. But of course, Helen comes in, or Helen Bernie comes into the apartment. Of course, as soon as you got the old typical horror effect of as soon as she walks in, the door slams behind her. She can't get out. Uh, they don't show what happens, but you see uh, Helen kind of st- start crying. And the next scene they show is uh, the cops there when, when Trevor gets home with Helen with a bloody knife sitting by the refrigerator. Cops are processing the scene. She sees Bernie. Looks like Bernie's been uh, pretty well gutted. For sure. But again, how that would happen with a French knife like she had in her hands is beyond me because those were not knife cuts. (laughs) Again, I agree with that. But, you know, not great detective work. They just want to close the case. I mean, they, they have somebody in the apartment... Also, with a bloody knife, it's probably, you know, don't even take the fact that, you know, how did she, she's got no visible, Helen has no visible wounds on herself, but has her blood all over the front of her. They don't take into effect how that, you know, into account how that happened. They don't even test really that, that blood to see what, what it was or anything, you know, whose it was or anything like that. They just Lazy police work. <laughs> they just holler down to the, you know, Hollywood cops. Yeah, right, right. Yep. Lazy police work for sure. Let's be honest here. Take her take her down to the take her downtown to the police station where uh of course the the uh the lady cop is telling her to remove all her clothes and she just wants to take a shower, wants to take, you know, wants to clean herself off cuz she has blood all over herself that she doesn't know how got there. Yeah. And they of course uh Actually, that was that was after the original. That was after the and that was after the incident at Anne Marie's apartment that she was taken to the cop station and made to change in front of the female officer. Because this this when they took her to the mental institution and started shooting her up with drugs. Because as she was strapped to the bed, 
the Candyman showed up and wanted a kiss for good luck. And uh, she started screaming, you know, he's here, the murderer's here. So they sedated her. And then uh, the next day, they bring her, they, they, they wake her up and bring her down to um, talk to her defense psychologist. Yeah, Dr. Doctor Not Important is his name. <laughs> it's Dr. Burke, I believe. Giving her a psych evaluation, essentially. Want to see if she's uh, fit to you know, stand trial or what her mental state is. Because now, yeah, now she's been involved in a couple of uh, extremely odd incidents at this point. So, yeah, she has no explanation of what happened, you know, so. And even from our aspect, it's not quite clear at this point. I mean, no, it is not. They do. They do a pretty good job of not uh, not giving away. Is this in her head? Is this real Candyman? Um, yeah, so yeah, she does do a pretty pretty lengthy interview with the doctor guy, and then uh, <laughs> then he gets gutted. <laughs> yeah, she she said, you know, she kind of explains that it's the Candyman. She's like, you know, and he's like, oh, well, doesn't really believe, and she's like, oh, I can call him here, and so she looks in the mirror that's off to her left, and she calls the Candyman. Yeah. And suddenly he gets gutted, and then he flies out the window. Or actually, he he unhooks her, uh, I guess, wrist bindings. Yeah, yeah. she's like wrist strapped to the chair. And uh, and then flies out the window. And of course, now they've they've heard the people outside have heard what is going on in the doctor's office. So she un. Buckles the the waist belt that they have her into the wheelchair with, since her hands are free now, and jumps out the window, or yeah, climbs out the window, goes down the you know, shuffles down the ledge where nobody can see her, jumps into a different patient's window, knocks out or kills. They don't really specify which which it was. Uh, one of the nurses that is helping another patient. Steals her clothes and then uh, gets the hell out of the mental hospital. Yeah, so it's uh, a Candyman is doing a good job of of framing her. Is that the yeah the, setting her up? <laughs> you know, like kill kills the doctor, unbinds her. So she, you know, anyone who's going to find that is obviously going to think, oh, she escaped and uh, and killed the doctor. So she's got really she- nowhere to go. She has no choice but to escape because her hands are now unbound and they're going to think that she killed the doctor because, you know, I mean, if her hands are, if her hands are not bound anymore, she would be able to take off the, you know, the belt that's holding her into the wheelchair and kill the doctor, then buckle herself back in. But there's no way that she could rebind her hands. She could rebind one of them, but not both of them. Yeah. So, uh, so she's uh, on the run essentially and uh heads home to her apartment uh goes in the door finds <laughs> well they do they do find out too one of the things that she thinks that it is the next day but they have been medicating her for a month without her knowledge she's oh, been, yeah, yeah she's been unconscious for a month so now trevor has had a well the police and everything have had a whole month to process the scene 
they are able to, uh, I guess, Trevor is able to get his back into their apartment there, and now they're repainting as as Helen walks in. Yeah, that's yeah. The month is important. Yeah, because she walks in and uh, she sees as she walks in, she sees the uh, the flirty student from the beginning of the movie repainting the walls of her her apartment with Trevor. And uh, of course, that causes some friction. Women, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> you can't please them. Can't lock them up in a mental institution for more than thirty days. Right. Yeah, they. Uh, it's confrontation time. Oh snap! Let's go. <laughs> Helen starts throwing paint. Trevor, you know what can Trevor say at this point? He's he's in a no win scenario. He might as well have gotten caught with his dick in her mouth. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And again, it, Trevor, Trevor, how old do you think Trevor is in this? 45, 50? Yeah, pro- probably, probably mid, uh, you know, er, I'd say early to mid 40s. Yeah. And of course, this college student is 20 or something. And now moving in, <laughs> now moving in and repainting the place. So, uh, painting the walls pink. Yes. They, I mean, there's a confrontation, but you know, where's Helen going to go now? She is an escaped mental patient accused of murder, or at least kidnapping. Well, well no, kidnapping she's, and she's murder. Been, she's been accused of uh, animal cruelty, kidnapping, <laughs> and murder. So she's got a long rap sheet, and uh, is clearly not wanted in her own home anymore. So uh, where are you going to go? She's depressed, possibly crazy. She goes to uh, she goes to the Candyman murder apartment after after she goes to the bridge and has a is looking down at the water and has a has a uh, I guess a, a telepathical yes. um, conversation with the Candyman because he says he's got you know he she knows that he's kidnapped baby Anthony. And the only way that baby Anthony will be set free is if she joins the Candyman in eternal damnation, whatever you want to call it. Um, but she is what the Candyman desires. So he is holding baby Anthony hostage to show that uh, that he has, you know, that that he he needs her. He's blackmailing he's setting her up so she has no choice but to join him right right yeah so uh <clears throat> yeah so after that she does she does to go to the uh the murder apartment in the in the projects um i don't know it's dark it's creepy it's spooky she's kind of just looking around she finds Candyman like uh laying on the floor Tries to stab him with the meat hook. Doesn't quite work. Uh, he wakes up. Um, but she... Uh, uh, part of the deal is that he's talked about, you know, he'll trade the the baby Anthony's life for hers. And uh, I guess, what does she got to lose at this point? Not much. She does give in to the Candyman, who, who wants her for, like, some sort of ritual sacrifice. There's this kind of hint through the whole movie. Um, it's like a cult, or he needs the story to keep going for for him to survive or grow powerful. Yeah, she has because because she uh, turned in the the gang leader. 
the people aren't afraid of the candy man yeah right so needs some uh needs to stoke the fear of the area so he needs her to kind of give in to his uh, sacrifice or whatever and she's uh, kind of ready to agree at this point um she hears uh like uh wants to save the baby here's baby anthony crying there's like a giant pile of wood old lumber they were yeah because it was mentioned earlier that they were setting up they're having a big party and there was going to be they were going to have this gigantic bonfire right 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 and she hears the baby crying like and it's it's huge it's probably i don't know 40 50 20, feet high. 20 feet 20 feet tall 40 sure. 45 feet across yeah it's huge it's a huge ass pile of wood and uh they're, they're gonna burn for this party and she hears the baby in it so she like crawls in there um it's like a maze of tunnels and shit and she does find the baby uh unfortunately at that point the the local folk gather for the party they begin yep. to light it up um that's when Candyman appears and like uh grabs onto her and says hey this is it we're uh this is this is the final act we're Helen. sticking we're sticking together yeah we're sticking together um she like stabs him with a burning chair leg or something grabs the baby she manages to crawl out uh with pretty severe burns covering her entire body but saves the baby leaving candy man to burn to death and uh Anne marie does show up at the party uh just in time to get her baby back you know she needed she needed a night of good cheer after losing her dog and baby so she's gonna go party with the neighborhood just in time to get her child back from this uh, crusty burned woman Yep, and watch, yeah, watch the woman she thinks kidnapped her baby hand it back. Yeah, so I guess I guess Helen redeemed herself in the eyes of Anne Marie. Uh, not much good it did her because uh, she does. They they cut to shortly after that at Helen's funeral, where uh, she she must have succumbed to the flames. Um, it's just just Trevor and his new wife at first, which is. That's a tough conversation with the new bride, right? Your new your new wife, or at least girlfriend, who's probably 20 years old. Like, hey, we just got to go to my dad. Well, I ex. mean, <laughs> wait, think about it, though. It's good closure for both of them. You know, I mean, if, if she hadn't had the confrontation with her, it would probably be a little bit weird. But after having the confrontation where, you know, she obviously found out where he's banging the 20-year-old, it, you know, it's good good for her to be finally be like, yeah, now I have him all to myself until the next 20-year-old comes along. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure. And I'm sure Stacy, Stacy went. That's the young the, uh, college girl's name. So good on her, I guess. She was going to tolerate it. It's just the two of them for a bit. But then, like, the whole, I don't know. Cabrini <laughs> Green. Gang. Yeah, the whole gang from the uh, Capri Green. Cabrini Green oh, apartment buildings. I should have written that one down. Everybody in the complex shows up to pay their respects to Helen, who I guess they're happy she uh, defeated Candyman, who you know kills people there, and uh, happy they saved baby Anthony. They come to pay their respects. Yep, she redeemed herself. So that's a nice scene. Uh, shortly after that, cut to uh, cut to a bit later. Trevor is at his apartment with Stacy. 
They've got some relationship issues. I guess Trevor's uh, feeling guilty um, and upset by how things played out. He's like crying in the bathroom. Yeah, he's he's got himself locked in the bathroom. Crying in the bathroom while Stacy makes dinner. <laughs> it's not a healthy relationship. Um, the power goes out. Helen's ghost appears and uh, gives a little speech. I forget exactly what she said. And then, he, yeah, uh, he, he does. He does kind of look at look at the the mirror and say, you know, say it. He says he says Helen five times, and yeah, she appears and is like, yes. Uh, you thought you could move on, huh? And then kills him. Yep. She hooks him. Yep. He gets hooked to death. Roll credits on Candyman one. Um. Yep. The end, of, yeah. The end of it is Stacy walking into the bathroom and seeing uh, Trevor all gutted like a fish. Yes, gutted and dead. Thoughts on Candyman one? Um, I, I guess I don't know if it was just Amazon or what, but the sound was really, really bad in this movie. I'm, I'm thinking it's the actual movie itself. Like the talking part, the quiet parts were really quiet, and then the loud parts were over the top loud. Like there were a couple of like screeches in there that were just like ah, that just killed my ears. So I don't know <laughs> if you had the same issue or not. Interesting. I did not. What did you? Uh, I watched it. I just watched it on an iPad, so nothing with great speakers. Okay. I, I watched on my TV with a sound bar and everything. And yeah, like it, like the quiet stuff was super quiet. And then when they would, you know, have you're supposed to have your jump scare kind of scene, it would like screech really loud or something, you know, something like that. Like the the sound that would come through to base to basically make you jump because it's super quiet. And then like the loud you know, like the door banging or something like that, but they would also play a sound in there too that would be super, super loud. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mine wasn't too bad, but like I said, I didn't have the not great speakers on an iPad. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I thought it was solid, man. Like, it's interesting. I've talked about before, one thing I liked in the Friday the 13th movies is like just to... Uh, a campground in the middle of a forest is a spooky setting. And that's one thing I didn't like as much in Halloween was like, maybe it's because I grew up there. A small town isn't scary to me, but uh, I felt they did a good job of making a, uh, like a city urban landscape, pretty spooky. And it's got, you know, it's got that city urban vibe where there's vibe where there's just too many people. Nobody cares about anybody. You could get murdered in a, in a. You could get your penis cut off in a shitty restroom at any moment. <laughs> so I, I, I liked that that aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and actually, the place is a real place too. That that was another good thing okay. about it. So the apartment, the apartment buildings. That they that they actually spoke of in this in the Candyman series is actually a real, um, well, okay. So when it was filmed, they were real. Now they're they they're gone now. So interesting. The apartment the apartment. No, I did not know that. 
are gone. Yeah. So like real real name of the location and everything. So cool. That's cool. I, I did see in one of the Amazon sidebars they considered Eddie Murphy for the role of Candyman. <laughs> Which it's hard to imagine, but maybe. I don't know. I thought Tony Todd's fantastic. I'm a we're a fan of his. Uh uh, yeah, I don't think it would have been nearly as creepy. Right. He's got um, such a great voice for it. Yeah. Yeah. And the effects that they put on his voice and everything. Yeah. Would have would not have been this near would not have been nearly the same with Eddie Murphy. You yep. also have to remember 1992. That would have been the time that he was doing uh boomerang and the distinct the distinguished gentleman and that was right before beverly hills cop 3 came out so yes it was right before family freddy you know family friendly eddie murphy with the nutty professor and dr doolittle and everything but it was uh it would not have been nearly the the way to go it would not have been nearly as creepy with eddie murphy sure <laughs> yeah i'm with you there it's tough you know he's a he's a funny guy at heart it's tough to see him in something like this as a scary uh supernatural serial killer so good on yeah. uh, good on them for going with tony todd yeah and i don't believe that actually even that he was really that well known at this point either that Tony Todd was, but I mean, just the voice alone sets him apart and, and makes it almost, you know, where he would, he would be one of the better fits for this. Yeah. Yeah. The voice is fantastic. I guess, uh, let's see here. He was in it before that he was in night of the living dead, uh, lean on me. Um, excessive force. I believe that's a, uh, Oh no, that was, excessive force was after. <laughs> but yeah, definitely uh is a is a better version uh you know, like he he's a better uh creepy guy than uh Eddie Murphy could have been. Oh for sure. It'd be tough. It'd be tough at all to think of Eddie Murphy as scary. I mean, maybe the guy's a great actor, I don't know, but I can't imagine it. I mean, he's also, you know, Tony Todd is also six foot five. So, you know, just being that size, too, is is much more a uh, way to be intimidating and everything, too. So, And that's that's actually what they said in the Amazon sidebar. They said uh, Eddie Murphy was uh, eventually deemed too short for the role. Was it you? I forget. They said he was like five foot six or five foot nine. I forget which one, but they just felt he wasn't tall enough. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else. It's tough to do uh, a favorite kill. Um, yeah, there really wasn't much for actual. You know, like this is this is not turned into a slasher movie yet. You know, yeah. there really was only what three deaths in this. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go my my favorite. I'll go with the uh, uh, the uh, the story sequence with the boy getting his penis chopped off in the bathroom. That was 
That was my favorite kill. <laughs> right, well, if we're, yeah, if we're going to talk about favorite kills, I, I think I would have to go with the therapist. Just watching him, like, get <laughs> gutted from, you know, ass to skull with a, with a some sort of hook. They never really specify what kind of hook it is. You know, so I think I think I would go with go with the therapist, Doctor Burke. <laughs> um. Oh, let's see. Overall, over. I mean, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, like I said, I, uh, no no shitty actors. Even the kid I mentioned, I like the kid on IMDb. It gets a six point seven out of ten, which is. Uh, Close to as high as you can get for a horror movie. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes scores, critics score 79% on Ooh, 80 reviews. Even better. And uh, the audience score is at 63% on 100,000 plus. All right. So, yeah, that's pretty good reviews on, on that. Uh, I would, yeah, I mean, we're going to continue with this series here. Um, so you Candyman two for next week. Again, this is one that has to be rented on uh, Amazon Prime or have a copy of DVD if you don't have it. Um, but let's see who's back. Yeah, anybody I, doesn't look like it. Other than Candyman, Tony Todd. of course. Yeah, I don't think anybody is back just because. Yeah. The only person really left alive was Stacy. Yeah, it looks like uh, Candyman is back. Oh, this explains part of it at least. Uh, This is the description. The Candyman arrives in New Orleans and sets his sights on a young woman whose family was ruined by the immortal killer years before. So uh, this is Candyman Farewell to the Flesh from 1995. Uh, scores are not quite as high as on IMDb, 5.2 out of 10, which uh, still is all right. Yeah, I'm just looking at the cast here to see if there's anybody that we might. No, Clive Barker is back as a writer and executive producer, but they do have a new director. I don't see anybody that I recognize in the cast. Um, Veronica Cartwright looks familiar, but not. She's in X Files. <laughs> I swear she's in X Files. Again, she's another person who's not famous by any means. But she, uh, yeah, she might. She does look kind of familiar. She's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, she's another one of those. And I swear she was in X Files. She was one where like she got abducted. Or claimed she got abducted, and of course, um, yep, Mulder believed her. She was she was uh, Agent Spender's mom, yeah, and and the Smoking <laughs> Man's wife in there in in the X Files. In like the first couple of first or second seasons, she was early in there. Uh, no, she was late. Oh, was she? Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh. That was yeah. That was when they had the whole big plot with the smoking man dying, and yeah, it was it was a lot of. But I mean, she's she's a well known, I guess, sci fi actress. Twilight Zone, uh, you know, X Files, 
Uh, she was in what Invasion of the Body Snatchers, as far as movies go. Um, yeah, yeah. If anybody looks her up, like she's got that voice, and she's great at playing the. Uh, again, is, perfect for X Files. The kind of person who you would question her sanity as she told you she was abducted by aliens. <laughs> you, what you didn't see though is that she is in one of your favorite movies. Is she Alien? She was the navigator Lambert. Oh, shit. She was Lambert. Oh, that was so long ago. Hell yeah. You know, she's so old in this picture. I didn't even connect the two. Fuck yeah. (laughs) And even in Lambert, Alien, Lambert was uh, fantastic at like losing her shit when the uh, chestburster scene happens. Um, Actually, they say she wasn't expecting the blood spatter to be so <laughs> so <laughs> face covering. And I read that somewhere. So she gets just doused in blood. And they say her reaction from that that ended up in the movie was uh, was legit like disgust and terror because she wasn't <laughs> expecting it. Nice. Yeah. Good for her. So well, yeah. That that's that's what we got for Candyman Part Two. Uh, what you got going on in real life besides uh, watching movies and talking with me about them? Oh, you know the usual. Um, more comedy shows upcoming. This will come out Saturday, so. I will I will have just done one last night in International Falls. Uh got another one a week from I got another one on the uh, 17th in Hibbing, Minnesota. So uh, on, just, a, on a Wednesday night. Yeah, just uh, have have a lot of lot of comedy going on in the month of May. Well, a lot for me, which is I think I've got five pro shows in May, five ticketed shows. Hey, that works though. Getting out there. How about you? Anything? Uh, any fun stuff going on? I, I no. I, I got. I got nothing. So right now it's uh, enjoy my. I guess my 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 time off. Yeah, take uh, it while you can get it. So yeah. Um, Yeah, so uh, I guess I got work on the work on the podcast, get stuff uh, working for this, um, and I guess try to find a job eventually. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, eventually, yes, for sure. Try to find a job, but uh, most of the people that will know uh, my job was eliminated last week, and. Uh, that was uh, kind of a kick in the nuts, but I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, man, enjoy it while you got it. You'll be you'll be forced to some other <laughs> <laughs> other job that's mildly uh, infuriating soon enough. Yeah, that, that's that's all I can hope for is just mildly infuriating. Um, yeah, uh, so. That is, uh, yeah, what I plan on doing. So I got some, I, and I got, I got some other projects that I'm working on too. And uh, I guess once I get going with that, 
Uh, we will see, but uh, where where the path takes me. But as of right now, it's uh, enjoy and start on these couple of projects that I've been putting off and get those done and see where life goes from here. Yeah, man. You just got to uh, gotta roll with it. Roll with the punches. I just, yeah, I gotta, I gotta have confidence in myself and take a leap at something because uh, that's that's like the biggest thing, and that's the biggest thing that I struggle with is ha- just just having that um, that that the ability to take that leap without really having the safety net right now, and and that's that's like the biggest thing is right now. Oh yeah. I, I'm I feel like I, I shouldn't even say that because I really I really don't I don't feel like I'm you know skydiving without a parachute yet but I also kind of feel like I am parachuting without a or skydiving without a parachute so um <laughs> yeah for sure but, I uh I get that too man like <laughs> I can only do what I do because my girlfriend has been willing to pay most of the expenses and, and I chip in what I can. Like if I, you know, if I didn't have her paying shit, I'd have to find a job ASAP. So I, uh, <laughs> thank, by the way, thank you. And our, uh, any loyal listeners who came out to the show Saturday, that was a fun time. I wish I could have got there early and played some magic cards, but I had to. Nah, getting people to the show is more important than, than playing. I, cause... I didn't even bring any other than the two that I gave to you. I I didn't even bring any. So don't feel bad about not bringing them. Sure. Getting to the, getting people to the show is way more important than playing cards. (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't know. Is that it? Is that the, uh, is that the wrap? I think, I think that's a wrap. Yeah. I'll try to work on some more stuff this week for as far as getting some uh, additional segments in here other than just talking about the movie. But uh, I was kind of busy this weekend. So I'm hanging out with, you know, people at a comedy show. Sure. Hell yeah. So, yeah, uh, that is going to wrap up this week's edition of the Beauty and DeGeast podcast. So this is Scott the Beauty signing off for the Beauty and DeGeast podcast, where we watch movies so you don't have to. Bye, folks.